0: Well, spunked.
1: Have you not been hearing me? Oh man, the goon! Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. Sorry, the neurons aren't firing today.
2: Yes, it is! Exactly. Cleanse the palate with zombies.
0: Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you.
1: Did I just have a stroke?
0: That's a valuable misprint, sir! And now, your hosts, Luke Matthews. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the Fleshlight. And Bean.
2: Representing the United States West Coast. Dazzler.
1: And Andy Padel. My ability to summon fish is of no use for this top building.
2: That outfit makes no sense in context of most of what else she wears in the book, too. A
0: zip-top tube top?
2: I mean, it's not Come that she, she wears, like, semi-revealing clothing most of the time, but, like, that outfit in particular is like, I want to put boobs on the cover. Let's yep. make it so that Tidies! you can see the boobs, right? That was the thought.
0: Welcome, everybody, to episode 12 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. I am Luke Matthews, and the crew's a little shortened today. We are, we are a little less funky this, this episode than normal. We're defunct. Uh, we are missing Joel Simon, but we have Anne Bean. Hello. And Andy Padell. Sup? oh this week, week this podcast, we are talking about Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Maleev's Scarlet. It was a semi-independent work that they did and got published Icon. through Marvel Icon. And um, but until we get to that, we will uh, we will begin by talking about what we're reading this week. Andy, you're usually the guy that has way too much shit to read.
1: Um, <sighs> Punisher Max. Uh, I just picked up a hardcover trade of the first. Five issues because it's so good. Oh, there's good a that, hardcover out now? Yeah, actually, I have the first two uh, Bullseye, the second story archives one as well. But I wanted other people to read it, but I didn't want to lend them my single issues. <laughs> so I, I reread through that uh, just today. Um, volume one of Hawaii Dick, which is actually better than volume two. So, wait a minute, hardcover co- collections of the first two arcs
0: in Punisher Max? Punisher Max? Yeah. And King they're. Pin and Bullseye. Like, what? Like a six each six issue arcs or the first one's five five six. and second six. one is fucks six? up with that there's a lot of comic books doing that right now the, it wor- the it, five issue first arc, it works it just it really does just make it fucking six you're gonna put 12 out in a year make six and six sorry <laughs> yeah. sorry for being logical
2: we don't oh. use logic in the american you, system of numbers
1: you can't not burp I can't. It, was, it was. and that
0: was entirely unintentional too usually i'm just like blatant
1: about it so uh, both of them are really good um other than that what the hell I think it looks like we know what we're doing for one of our shows woohoo Wee! um should i grab like 20 books on friday and i for the life of me cannot think of what they are 20 20 well 20 single issues not trades over
0: uh, cu- culminating from how many weeks two dear jesus man do that ain't shit you you buy a lot of goddamn comics i i can't ever buy that much like I went i two weeks ago, I think it was two weeks ago was the week where I got a fuckload of stuff on my shelf, seven books, and that was out of the nine that I subscribed to
1: oh God. so I, th- I think my full <laughs> list is at like thirty four books. Oh my
0: God,
2: I don't have money, I don't buy comics except for the podcast and occasionally otherwise.
0: You should enter the contest, maybe you can win a bunch <laughs> of shit okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: totally doing that right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man,
2: we'll have at least three entries, that'll be great.
0: So, Punisher Max. Punisher Max. Is Hawaii one. Dick. Why Dick. That's it.
1: That's all I can think of at the moment.
0: Okay. And what do you read?
2: <laughs> Webcomics. Hey. Hey, that's fine. It's true though. Pages. Um, no, I All oh, the trash just ended, so I Wait, reread. It yeah. It, it was 150 pages and I I reread back through the whole thing. And I have mixed feelings about it. I think it's absolutely worth reading to see which mixed feelings you may have about it. Um, I, I never felt like he really pinned down like what feel he was going for. Like it's really comic in the first part, and then it gets very serious. And he sometimes tries to like input the comedy in ways that don't seem particularly natural. I don't know. What yeah. did you make of it? Have you read it?
1: I've read like uh, maybe the first twenty pages, um, and
2: and that in the first twenty pages he's being like super making fun of. I like Dave world Tenapple's and art. Wasp I night. like his ideas. I don't Doug. think
1: his implementation is that good normally.
2: I felt like his... Dave Tenapple? His Are we talking Doug like... Tenapple. Or Earthworm Doug Tenapple. Or Doug Tenapple. Earthworm Jim. We're yeah. talking Earthworm Jim, Doug Tenapple? We're yeah. talking yeah. Earthworm okay. Jim, Doug Tenapple. Um, I have liked his graphic novels that he's published, and I realized like, this was him delving into a new form. Like He was he was going into web comics. It's sort of like, hey, it's a new thing. He was really inspired by Axe Cop Guy. I think they're friends. Um, um Writer Ethan, or artist? Writer. Or no, artist, artist. Ethan Nicole. <laughs> not not the six year old. <laughs> That's so
1: great. Doug Tnapple right now with a red six year old kid.
0: He writes beautiful pictures.
2: He writes beautiful pictures. And God, I miss Joel. <sighs> <sighs> okay. Uh the He's other so one that genial. I've read uh recently is Darwin Carmichael Goes to Hell. Um, which was based off of friends' recommendation and I think it's really fun. Um <laughs> It's set in going to hell th- is fun it does sound no okay so it's set in this dystopian world in in which um m- most of mythology including christianity is is true, like the guy has stoner angels living in his basement, but he also has a pet uh, manticore named Skittles that has the personality of an a d d five year old um
0: do you ever get the feeling that sometimes when people are plotting these kinds of things, they just they take, take, like, the, they take like the the uh, encyclopedia <laughs> of things that never were,
1: and then just roll dice?
2: It's possible. Yeah. It's possible. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: and in his basement, he has a... Okay, so I rolled a 10. So I rolled a 9. Page 90... Okay. manicore. Hey.
2: The deal is everyone has this sort of like karma score. So like, and certain people can, can just look at you and know what your karma score is. And his karma score is like beyond fucked because this one time when he was babysitting a little kid um, and didn't pay attention to him, the little kid like uh, awakened as the Dalai Lama and then fell backwards onto his head. So he's like the guy that made the Dalai Lama retarded. So, like, <laughs> wow, he's fucked, right? Like, he's going to hell. There's no question about this. Um, and, and he's gotten, like, arrested several times. Not for having done anything, just for having, like, such <laughs> shitty karma. Um, in general, I thought it was an inventive world and a really fun, fun take on it. So, it, it's highly worth reading.
0: Cool. I've been reading American Vampire. Like I just blew uh, through the first two hardcovers of American Vampire. Survival
1: of the fittest or
0: I don't remember the titles. Um the yeah, is
1: that Survival of the Fittest is the fittest is the uh, the spin off.
0: No, I haven't touched the spin off at War all. I've no, the World War Two one is well, it's not technically a spin off, it's just the next storyline. Like the first five issue storyline uh, took place in the early 20s it was 1922 the second storyline takes place in 1936 and then they skip forward to 1941 for the third storyline and it involves it still involves pearl and skinner sweet and skinner like it's so good great it, it is it is Probably one of my favorite vampire stories in the, in recent memory. Fright Night. Um, oh, Fright Night Spectacular. The fact they're remaking it scares me and makes it, there's something a little awesome interested- about it. Uh, the fact that they've got um, David Tennant playing uh, the character that, that Roddy McDowell played in the original movie. Okay, I, I I'm I'm sold, and you know Colin Farrell as the bad guy that works that yeah. works <laughs> I can see that especially you know if they want to modernize it a little bit it's like uh, I'm okay with that you've uh, you have to have seen Fright Night right yes I have oh dear God that movie's awesome I that's one of my favorite movies from the eighties that's it's so good um but American Vampire is is excellent uh, Scott Snyder writes it it is um it's nice that they've
1: Scott Snyder writes it
0: yeah Scott Snyder
1: and Stephen King okay no, I thought Stephen King was the actual writer nope.
0: Stephen King is a secondary writing us in the first arc Stephen King wrote a secondary storyline that ran parallel and was the origin of, of Skinner Sweet
1: because I thought it was a uh, okay so I thought it was Stephen King and uh what is it, Albuquerque yeah.
0: Oh. yeah Raphael Albuquerque is the yeah, artist is nope Scott Snyder is the primary artist and creator
1: uh, I don't know if you've seen any of his stuff before that, but it's like he was drawing with his left hand when he's actually right-handed when he started doing this book. Oh, this book is amazing. Because he's like, oh, this is how you draw everything amazing. I, I picked the book. I'm like, I don't really care one way or the other about Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, yeah, he he's written some really good stuff, but it, it's not a draw for me. Sure. However, I had a giant promo poster that I got from my local store that I had in my cubicle for a while because the artwork was so good. Yeah. I'm a
0: big fan of the artwork. The writing is awesome they've f- it's It's a book about vampires as scary fucking bloody ass monsters instead of Neat. you know instead sparkly. of s- sparkly Sparkles. romanticized bullshit like they are monsters, all of them and even even the ones They're gonna that kill you, you even the ones that you identify with to some degree in Skinner the book suite. are fucking monsters that's good uh pearl I'm thinking like oh. pearl you kind of my, identify my, with, my, but she's... you identify as I was as
1: say yeah, my priorities might be somewhat out of whack, <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, what else have I been reading? Because I I read something else recently. I'm reading. Um, I read power. I read some more powers. I read. Um,
1: Richie, who's I that
0: by? Yeah, okay. I don't. I'm I'm not even sure how it's spelled. And it, by, um, inks by,
1: <laughs> and lettering
0: by. Now we're in an episode of Alien Nation.
1: Um, This isn't the one where you give birth, right? No. No, It's the one
0: I do get drunk off of sour milk, milk, though. God, I feel
1: old. Um, Do you feel old because I knew your references immediately? Kind (laughs) of.
2: I guess I feel young, and that negates you two feeling old, so I'll be the odd one out.
0: Because you don't get any of the references at all? Nope. All right. So... Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've been reading bits and pieces of other things. Like, I've I've picked up single issues of stuff um, recently and, and read, you know, like I'm reading Breed? Mighty Thor.
1: Oh, Jesus. Why do you have to say that out loud? Why do you? I, I have seen the depths of what you've experienced yes. in your soul, yeah. and it was
0: atrocious. Yeah, Breed, Breed 3 is... And is, then, uh, what was the other one? Might Ranked is the worst comic I've ever read in my life. Oh, the other one was the Doc Savage one with the melty faces. Okay, there's Breed...
1: Doc Savage, and then there's the uh, the Rob Liefeld one. Oh, The Infinite. The Infinite, because mm-hmm. that just came out. Terrible.
0: Terrible. It looks so bad, and I, I've never even read it, and I don't care. You know why I don't read it? Because I like Robert Kirkman, and I'm sure that the writing on the book might actually be halfway decent, but I can't I can't even look at it. I can't even look at the- Your like, eyes will bleed. Every page that they have previewed and shown Everybody's face is is melting. Um, it's just not. It's it's it doesn't make any sense to me because I've I've talked to people who like who liked past tense liked Rob Liefeld's, like some of his older stuff. They're like, okay, you know, he's not the greatest, but his style is good. Blah 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 blah. Even those people who are Rob Liefeld apologists look at the infinite and go, yeah, that's just bad. I don't understand what's going on. What? And he's fucking drawing Hawk and Dove. They're still giving him work.
1: What really pisses me off is I feel like this is the 90s all over again that all the image guys are getting all this work. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a DC in the relaunch, one of the titles that was coming out. I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. Oh, Mark Silvestri.
0: Yeah, right? No nope. well, Jim Lee, Silvestri, that's... Liefeld are all working on the DC
1: reboot. Like McFarlane is sitting on his two million dollar baseball and <laughs> staring into the abyss. I don't know. Maybe that's the only way you can get enjoyment out of a two million
0: dollar baseball is by sitting on it. I don't want to go off on Rob Liefeld anymore because it's just pointless. Like You'd there's be wasting entire it, websites. He's it. I'm just. I'm. A, I'm. I'm sorry. I feel sorry for Robert Kirkman in this instance because I feel like he was either. Throwing this guy a bone just because, or he legitimately thinks that he's good, um, and which in which case I just feel, involved. yeah, or option number three is he was drunk on his do, own, power. doing a favor or got or somehow otherwise got saddled with him and couldn't do anything about it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> to see Rob Lifefield, yeah, like, all right, it's a life here, field, or we're gonna go. publicize
1: the pictures. Don't mind, don't mind the roofies. What. Yeah. Oh, I feel funny. Here, just sign this contractual obligation and you'll be fine. <laughs> yep. Thank you, Mr. Kirkman. Yeah. Did what? But then
0: again, I mean Kirkman, he's kinda like the Kevin Smith of the comic book industry at this point
1: where he's and like
2: Kevin Smith is not the Kevin he Smith. He did though. work with Todd he's McFarlane.
1: Yeah. Okay. Haunt. Yeah. Which got it like version of I'm actually excited about version uh, two of Haunt. Mm. Dave Lafflam? Okay. Stray Bullets. No, I know who Dave Lafflam is. Nathan Fox. Nathan Fox, I don't know. Nathan Fox is good. It's uh, foxy.
0: Maybe as long as McFarlane isn't inking it, because I saw I saw haunt drawings by Ryan Otley that were inked by McFarlane that were he, McFarlane basically just shot all over Otley's style. I I'm a big Otley fan, and and him inked by McFarlane basically ended up looking like bad McFarlane. It was just bad. It was terrible. It's the same thing he does to Greg Capullo's art. Like, I've seen Greg Capullo when he's not inked by McFarlane, and Greg Capullo's art is really good, which is why, actually, I'm kind of excited for him drawing Batman. But when he does, like, Haunt
1: just, I don't know, Haunt was really boring. It was Spawn all over again. It was the same fucking storyline. On the note of artists, one of the few that I will pick, I'm picking up, I a, a, a ordered it in previews on Saturday because there's an artist who is doing the cover, uh, Raphael Grandpa. I've heard of him. Uh, he's only done like four things in the states. He is doing the cover for a book called The Infinite. It's seven ninety nine. It's uh, the Infinite. The
0: yeah. Infinite is the Rob Liefeld Kirkman book. Is
1: that no, no, no? It's a, like a collection or something like that. Okay. Um, it's, it's I don't know. Maybe they capitalized a different. Ugh. There's um, that gurgliness. again. The, yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> I, was, I was about to say some gurgliness. Oh, wait, no. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> hey, but hey, where's he from? Brazil. It uh, seems like
2: there's a lot of hot shit coming out of Brazil Gabriel these
1: days. Gabriel Ba, Fabio Moon, Rafael Grampa. Um, uh, Rafael Albuquer- Albuquerque is Brazil as well. Uh, no, this, uh, they all did a book together called Five. Mm-hmm. It's uh, th- It was a book that came out maybe five years ago, and every single artist from the five b- just blew up in the past yeah. two years. Nice. They've I I don't know what the fuck they're smoking down
0: there but like they they produced a lot of good artists like I said Albuquerque is one the guy there's a guy that did the second arc um, did a couple issues of American Vampire that's also from the same place that Albuquerque is from and uh, the guy that did Black Sad yeah. is South American um, is so South yeah American Spanish?
2: Um, I, I think he's somewhere in South America I, think I don't so think he's too. Central I'm not sure
0: it's just uh, yeah like it's nice to it's nice to see because American artists kind of lose the I I get the feeling, I I got the feeling, it's not so much anymore, but especially through the 90s, like, American comic book artists were basically just trying to copy each other too much. Like, you'd get Jim Lee, and then you'd get 15 fake Jim Lees, and then Rob Liefeld, and oh, who was the dude, who was the dude that drew Brigade, that was just, like, trying desperately to copy Jim Lee, or not Jim Lee, but Rob Liefeld. Fuck! It wasn't Brett Booth, was it? (laughs)
1: Brigade was terrible. Oh, it was
0: so bad. Why would, oh. It was terribly written and terribly drawn. And it, w- it was like, imagine somebody as bad as Rob Liefeld. And then imagine somebody copying Rob Liefeld. That's just the blind leading the blind. That's fucking terrible. <laughs> it's the malicious leading the blind. <laughs> right? Aside from comic books, I, I haven't read a lot because we went to Gen Con a couple weeks. Or I guess it would have been two weeks. No, a week and a half because it was it was we came back a week ago today. If you are a nerd, go to fucking Gen Con. Like it's so it's so awesome. It is it's if you play board games or card games or RPGs or strategy games or miniatures games or fucking anything gaming world that's not a video game, Gen Con's the place to be. Nice. Like I I have a picture on my phone of of the RPG room at eleven o'clock at night on Friday, and there's probably four hundred people in there. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's just you can't get a better in- environment—an uh, entire town that just goes nerdy. You know, like it's it's spectacular. The restaurants go nerdy. The fucking con takes over everything. It was excellent. It was a uh, it was a lot of fun. It's one of those complete escapist things where you just go for a weekend, play a bunch of games eat a bunch of awesome food, went to Fogo de Chow. ate meat off of swords. It was a...
2: What more can you ask for? Yes, seriously.
1: I can think of a few things.
0: Watched the theater across the street from the place played Conan the Barbarian, and we went to that, and that was spectacular, except for the fact... Now, this is something I'm going to be repeating, but I got to assume that there are people who listen to this podcast that don't listen to After the Fact. The only place in the entire movie that had an audio skip was Max von Sydow's like, famous line where he's like... Of course. He he says, you know, there is a time in your life, thief, when the jewels cease to sparkle and the gold loses its luster and all that remains is a father's love for his child. And it goes, the jewels cease to sparkle and... And then it skips forward like two minutes. I'm like,
2: fuck! And you will never know the point (laughs) of this monologue. (laughs)
0: but that was awesome seeing it in the theater because it came out when I was four. So, uh, and I've never seen it in the theater and it was, it was nice to, uh, it's a, it's a good experience even if it was a, an old print, you know,
2: Mm mm-hmm. Anyway, anyway, comics. Uh, I've
0: got. We are all so lethargic. Maybe, maybe me feeding everybody spaghetti book. and beer prior to the show is not like the best idea in the world.
2: I just don't have brains left. It's awesome.
1: Much like uh, Scarlet, your poor pacing is sort of <laughs> hey. left us out. What? Okay,
2: so talk talk to me about the pacing issues. All You're right now Scarlett.
0: now we're talking about Scarlet. So tell me, you seem to be the one that's gonna that's gonna crap on it a little bit. So what's wrong?
1: Okay. So if you told me, hey, I'm going to give you a book by Brian Michael Bendis and um, Alex oh, uh, Alex Malive about a girl who ends up starting a revolution in modern day America, I would be all over it. You know, without seeing to I'd be like, that sounds wonderful. I read this and it's a little bit dry and a little bit too slow. And it just like going through the book, it doesn't flow right for me hmm. it's not a b c d e f g it's like A A A A B C D E E E F G G G G H. really
2: do you think that's because of the retrospective narration
1: it's a combination of the retrospective narration the just the weird breaks like luke's actually looking at a page that's showing the the boyfriend's life it's actually one page of that would have been okay it's showing the, the boyfriend's life but it's like four pages of it I, you know, I, I thought that was don't. very
2: signature Bendis, but I also agreed that it
1: it went on too long.
2: It almost made some of her experiences a little bit cheaper, too. Honestly, but um, I thought, like for what it was, it helped summarize a big gap of time that would have been shitty and drawn out otherwise. See, I I get the
0: feeling, I really get the feeling that that um, those three pages were kind of filler. No, the, the the point that I got from that was here's the summary of someone's life and the reason we're summarizing it is because all of these experiences mean nothing in light of what has happened to her now.
1: Okay, I can see that. Right,
0: it's like all of yeah, that, that makes sense. got erased. Everything's just done because of what's going on in the book as it stands right now.
1: So at least, and that's the way I interpreted it let me go back to this real quick. So what was weird for me is reading this as single issues, I was a lot more forgiving of the pacing because I wouldn't think about it. I would finish an issue and then I would think about that in comparison to the other issues and I would sort of mentally block out the the slow parts and I'd be like, okay, this is really good. Rereading it as a trade though, I'm just like, ugh.
2: So what do you see as the slow parts other than the part with the like block it's, narration? S-
1: scenes go on too long. Um, I wish I had specific examples
0: well okay so maybe let me let me see if i can uh the scene for example in uh the town square when she ends up shooting the cop like i kind of get the feeling that the book the book skips a lot of in-between crap in favor of focusing for almost entire issues on key moments and key key interactions like that that experience where where you know where she shoots the cop it's you know quite a few pages I, you know we're talking probably 15 f- 10 15 pages um split over two issues yeah but that didn't i don't know there, when i was reading it that didn't bother me uh, and i'm not sure i'm not sure i have same... me
2: either i don't know i wasn't particularly struck by pacing issues but
0: I think the only place that I had pacing problems, to be entirely honest, was where they decided to end the first book. But I'll talk about that later. But um, I do agree that the lead-up to the actual protest, where the entire issue is basically people milling around in downtown Portland and then cut intercut with uh, the discussion between, like, All the cops and the DA and the, you know, the... Yeah, if there was
2: a slow point, I think that was it.
0: And that was, that one, like, and it was because it was a character introduction, right? It was introducing the character that the FBI agent ends up recruiting, which is fine as a character introduction, but I think that that issue could have been handled better by intercutting the two scenes more instead of just being like block of fucking da crowd, and crowd happening. or DA you know is exactly yeah. you know intercut the two flip, and flip back and hand, forth who
1: likes hand grenades
0: yeah so uh, the one thing that I, I do want to address and i want to find out your opinion on is uh the thing that of course to me is the standout uh thing about this comic is
1: how she executes cops
0: it is no, no no it it is the constant breaking of the fourth wall the purposeful breaking of the the, the key to this comic book that differentiates it Mm -hmm. in my opinion from other comic books is the main character speaking directly to the reader as though they are taking part in the things that she's doing
2: it's the film equivalent of talking to the camera and it's just for our people who are not looking at the comic right now it is done by um the character in scene more or less talking to the camera and speaking in caption blocks as opposed to like in scene dialogue circles
1: it was a really neat trick the first time that he did it. Alias does it much better. Oh, um, Alias! I've never read Alias. So yeah, so. that's the that's the thing. Like I've seen Bend. I have like part of my disappointment, I guess, with this book is that Bendis is capable of some truly brilliant writing, and this just isn't this on par with some of his better stuff. Like his Daredevil run is phenomenal. Uh, Alias is fantastic. It is the best non superhero superhero book. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love, love Jennifer Dare. Garner. She's awesome. Oh, you're killing me. <laughs> you're killing, you are killing me. It's the best usage of the Purple Man. Yeah. Plus, it uses the Purple Man to break the fourth wall in a great way because it has him... Because he's so insane that he realizes he's in a comic book and it works. Oh, snap. I liked, I liked the way it was handled in this book. But it yeah. just seems forced mm. to me because I've seen him do it more subtly. Like, I understand the entire it concept was, of breaking... It was obvious wait, wait, and wait, I think wait, it was let obvious let me, on purpose. Let me put it there. Do finish. I have seen him do it more subtly and just better overall. I understand that the purpose of breaking the fourth wall is not supposed to be a subtle thing, but if you want to effectively get your ideas across, you don't want the person who's reading the book to think, oh, they're breaking the fourth wall again. Maybe, okay,
0: so I didn't think that for two reasons. One, probably because I've never read Alias, and not having that comparison means that when i see it happen the first time it's the first time for me secondly once he does it once i i also understand that that's the that's going to happen that's the book right it's the same it it's the same thing that happens in other mediums where I've never understood. I've I've had I've talked to other people who've read this book who have like, well, you know the, the her talking to the camera thing was fine as an introduction, but then when it kept going on in the rest of the book, it just got kind of annoying. It's like, but that's what he set up for you. Yeah, he told you at the beginning what it was going to be, and there's a key example that I that I always use for for that particular thing, and not specifically breaking the fourth wall, but a, but of setting something up at the beginning, and that's the movie A Knight's Tale. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, yeah. but like the beginning of the movie the very fucking beginning of the movie they play we will rock you and they have people standing in the stands doing the thump thump clap and then they have the guitar solo basically being no be- basically being played by the trumpeters and the trumpeters dro- the guitar solo stops when the trumpeters drop their trumpets right okay at that point in that movie they are telling you what you're about to watch you're like this movie's going to have classic rock in it. This movie's going to be tongue-in-cheek. This movie's going to have comedy in it. And get get over it and watch the rest of the movie. And that's kind of the way I felt it was in this book. Like, at the beginning of the the second page of the book, he's like, the character starts talking to you. And you're like, okay, I guess that's what I'm going to deal with for the rest of the
1: book. Did he also break the fourth wall in Powers? No. No. No? Nope. Okay.
2: I thought it was interesting that there are actually two characters that get to, to get to break the fourth wall in this one. Um the uh, the female, she's an FBI agent, right? Yeah. And then well the the, the
0: former detective that becomes right. an FBI agent, yeah.
2: Right. Um and I I don't know. I think that Scarlett's narration in particular worked because there's this sort of tracking of time that's like X amount of time ago and she's doing retrospective narration. I'm not quite sure how it's going to carry into the future. Cause like we, we got to yesterday in the narration and I think we're on today. Are we? I don't know. Yeah. Something
1: I'll like that. I'll tell you tomorrow.
2: There <laughs> you go. Um, so I'm curious to see how that plays out in the future, but yeah, I guess it didn't bother me. It might be because I have all of Wayne's world memorized forever and therefore <laughs> talking to the cameras like it's cool.
0: Well, you bring up the the fact that the that the other chick starts talking to the camera. Yes, and that is the point where it felt a little weird for me, and I don't know why that is. And maybe it's because it came so late, right? right? we've
2: seen her before, we've met her before, and then suddenly she starts talking to the camera. It's not right. like Garth that shows up in the you know second scene of the movie and is like. Mm-hmm. And, and you, have, like, thing, you have like you have
0: four issues of the comic book before she ever speaks to the camera, and you expect it from Scarlet because you're you're expecting to hear her talking about what's going on with her. Yeah. And that makes sense, right? You're, you're seeing the point of view of that character and you're getting the fourth wall from her. And then this other character shows up and it felt a little, it, it was he a little awkward. He was trying
2: awkward. as hard as he could with visuals to make a very Draw clear parallels. parallel between yeah. them.
1: I think they're going to be foils for each other when this whole thing is said and done. And
2: I'm excited to see that play out. I'm sure it is.
0: And it just, for me, it felt a little awkward the way that um, the second character came in. And I'm thinking maybe um, changing point of view is something that is commonplace uh, at least in non-graphic fiction. Like, Mm -hmm. for graphic fiction to me is less about the point of view of the character that that's narrating and more about the like the experience and the, and you're, cause it you're able to just as much. It does Just in more subtle ways. It's definitely more subtle, but then you take, then you take into account, uh, in it, like non-graphic fiction, you take into account something like, uh, like game of Thrones, right? Where you're actually writing from a completely different viewpoint. Is that omniscient?
1: L- limited omniscience. Yeah.
2: Okay.
0: You understand Third what person is, limited. Yeah. But it's like, you're switching point of views in that. But comics, it doesn't happen as often because of the fact that you're actually, you're not forced to imagine what you're seeing and you're not limited to the person. You're not limited to, to hearing the narrative from a specific right. person. it's by definition where, third
2: person. You have to really try like this one yeah. does to make it into more of a first person type exactly.
0: of narrative. Exactly. To, to step back and look at it from a, a wider perspective, I, I enjoyed that storytelling style. I was caught off guard by it the first time. You know, when I when it first showed up because I wasn't expecting it. That's fair. Um, so it, it took me a minute to step back away from it and be like, I had to prepare myself, right? Like, I saw the first page. She's choking the cop to death. And then the second page, he falls over and she's searching. And then she turns to the camera on the third page and she's like, oh, hi. Or the second page. And it's like. <laughs> oh, and, hi. Yeah. <laughs> I just killed the cop. Lol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't expecting it. So I was like, Huh. Okay, hold on just a second. I got I got maybe three or four pages in, and then I set it down and I'm like, I had to prepare myself for it, right? Like, I had to sit down and be like, okay, I need to I need to set this expectation. I need to be able to walk into it because mm. it's really weird, right? For for anybody who's familiar with reading comics, it's not something you're used to.
2: I thought it was brilliant and I saw what he no, was doing right away and I was like, fuck yeah, let's roll. But uh, I and, don't know. And it for could me, be it was because just, I'm also reading like other graphic novel memoir things where it's like captions and things. And so I was like, ooh, it's a story. And she's using retrospective narration. Yay. Well, and maybe it's just
0: that w- the fact that I've been on kind of a comic book glut lately. So sure. I've been reading a lot of comic books. And then a bunch of shit like Powers and, and Runaways and all the shit for the show and Fables and Mixing in American Vampire and other stuff. And then all of a sudden I step into this and I'm like, blows my expectations a little bit.
2: Sure, it's different. That's for damn sure. And
0: then... It's not that I don't like it. It's that I had to... Readjust. It. Readjust <laughs> for it. Right? So I, I set it down for maybe 15 minutes, and I was like, okay, I just need to go into this expecting that, expecting that narration and knowing what's coming. And so I picked it back up and started reading it from the beginning again. And from that point forward, I loved it. Like, I thought it was awesome because... Because it's different, and I understand that there has been stuff in the past that's that's done it, but but I I I really liked the way it was handled in this book. I thought that it I, I just thought that um, the narration made sense. Uh, it, it never he handles it deftly enough that it never pulls me out of the story. It's it's definitely weird. It's definitely different for for anybody who's listening that hasn't read this before and isn't expecting it and hasn't read Alias. Then it's going to catch you off guard, probably. Well, maybe not after we tell you about it, but
2: yeah. <laughs> if it still so, catches you off guard. You have poor to, go, to go
1: back to the breakdown of single issues versus the trade again. Yeah. Uh-huh. So if you look at um, basically where the break is for every single issue, there is a very strong cliffhanger, like the end of the first one. You know, she's standing there in the. Um, in the building holding the, the a rifle i can't tell if it's an assault rifle or a sniper rifle or yeah. whatever and she's like and you're going to help me if you look at the um, the last one you know it was like uh, she wakes up in bed and you know and this is how it all began or whatever uh-huh there are super super blatant cliffhanger endings and as a single issues since you have that month off to sort of you know recover from that this is just my perspective that it, you know, that means, you know, you've got the time, like you've got that month of, okay, you know, anticipation, anticipation, anticipation. Maybe as a trade paperback, it was just too much for me. That's possible. Yeah. I, I, and I can see that. I've never
0: read it as single issues. So, um, I have this, it's I have this super thing high I'm lull,
1: super high lull. That's exhausting to read in, you know, yeah. the course of an hour. I have a
0: different perspective when I read trade paperbacks uh, because that's the way, that's the way I prefer to consume comic books. So my brain kind of naturally parses out individual issues and how they and their like their arcs and the way they handle things. and I also purposely make a point of pausing at least for, for some period of time. It might be as little as four or five minutes as much. To as much as you know, a day or two between reading the individual issues. Uh, like I will sit down and burn through a fucking trade in a very short period of time. I've done it with I've done it with some like the first American Vampire trade I burned through in an hour, and my brain parses it out pretty well. So I those story beats, they might not carry the same impact if I wait a month as if I wait a month. But I try and purposely make them. Like carry that same impact because I understand that that it is an episodic, you know, medium and co- collecting them all together. It's the same thing. The same thing that I have on, you know, TV shows are are an episodic thing, and there's a huge difference between watching a TV show weekly and watching it on a DVD where you're watching six episodes in a row, right? And it's the same exact experience. Um, I would say it's the
1: exact same source material. It's not the same experience.
0: Well, okay. Uh, that's, that's, that's semantics. Kind of, that, yeah.
2: That's fair, actually. But, I could see the difference.
0: I mean, it's it's the same... It's designed in a similar fashion. The, sto- the story beats are designed it's, it's, similar. It's, yeah, it's, it's the so, same material. I, but I think that same argument that you're making could be made for just about any trade because most episodic material, especially comic books, is divided into those individual arcs and they have some sort of... Not necessarily as heavy a cliffhanger as this does, but there's usually some sort of... like. Something to keep you interested in picking but, up the next, yeah. Issue. A
2: like of the like
1: all the cliffhangers are so heavy in this. Is how I feel. I guess. Okay. So I mean, think about it like in terms a,
2: of TV shows. It's like something like Bones versus something like Lost, where Lost is like cliffhangers. I'm
1: fucking branded. I don't know what's going on right
0: beer, now. Beer and food, like belly full of spaghetti <laughs> and a bunch of beer, and beer and food make podcasters stupid. Make le-
1: lethargic podcasters.
2: Run. So. Alex Malley's so, art is completely appropriate to this format. That's where Yay. I was going. Uh,
1: I want to I bitch about the art for a minute because this cover is bullshit and it's misleading.
2: Well, yes, it is. It's I like, totally I'm going to <laughs> sell a
1: book by showing some boobs. Boobs! And oh, if you wait, look at the single content. issues, they're all pretty much the same.
2: Hmm. Does she back. ever wear that costume? No, she does not. That's the, why I has got a character for me. Game
1: of Doom because you're always going to draw.
2: No, she doesn't wear it ever. She. I mean, she... Like I like I said earlier she wears semi-revealing clothing but she doesn't like wear the outfit that's well, on the cover. So ever. so
0: okay so maybe this. Let me let me offer this one little tidbit. The end of this issue was where she was like I am going to change into a different person. My life is going to flip. Maybe it's the start of the next arc where she starts wearing that and becomes a character? <laughs>
2: uh, sorry. I mean I feel like she has like more Integrity as a character Because she's like I I am basing my wacky Bullshit off of Feelings And I feel like it would be A little bit cheap If she's like So therefore I must wear Tic-tac-toe boobs That is the (laughs) only way That I can (laughs) tic-tac tick and tack right like I that tick and tack are the only way that i can express my true rage against society i it just seems a little silly a
1: little i don't know comic booky <laughs> I, I was really hoping you'd say tic-tac boobs and i'd be like oh, well, they're not that small <laughs> <laughs> i agree the covers the
0: covers while not entirely misleading per se are definitely misleading
2: <laughs> Indeed.
0: Okay, no, no, no. some of the some of the variant covers. Mike Diodato's variant cover is ridiculous. Uh,
1: the Michael Avon Omin one for number 3 where it's just the black silhouette and yeah. boobs.
2: Boobs.
1: The boobs.
0: And in that one and she has an X and a heart. That doesn't make any sense. X she and a heart? She has
2: feelings. And deadly aim. That's what they <laughs> that's what they symbolize. Feelings and guns.
0: You guys might need to talk while I look this up because I remember um I think this is one of the comic books that made me just roll my eyes at one particular point because um, my father was a gunsmith. So I grew up around guns all my life and I just once, just once in my life wish that comic book artists would portray a gun firing properly. Just once. <laughs> it would be nice. Um,
2: uh, everything's ruined forever for you. That <laughs>
0: being... Uh, that being In particular, and this comic is one of them, and I'm trying to find the page, but I can't, so I'll just describe it. Um, In particular, the biggest mistake that I see made in comic books frequently is somebody holding a semi-automatic pistol, and they are firing a bullet, and there are two things that artists always portray. One, muzzle flash slash bullet exiting barrel. Two, shell casing being ejected from said gun. If the shell casing is being ejected, the slide is back. Period. That's how the shell casing gets ejected from the gun: is that the slide pops back. But every fucking comic artist on the planet just shows the gun in its the slide in its forward state, and no fucking the shell casing being ejected from apparently a solid block of metal, and that always bothers me. Always. It will for the rest of my life bother me. Comic book artists, every comic book artist out there, please research how the
1: physics of a gun work before you draw it. Luke, I I will make this vow to you that at some point in the future, this will be remedied at least once. Just once. (sighs) That's all I can give you. Once would be awesome.
2: I can't watch fencing scenes in movies either. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Except for movies about fencing, in which case they usually do a damn good job. But, but like, Princess Bride is adorable, but at the same time, I'm Ridiculous. like, they're both fencing left-handed. Yeah. I noticed that before they talk about it. It's very <laughs> disappointing. <laughs> If you have technical knowledge, the fiction about said technical knowledge is gonna be sad and sad and sad.
0: There are certain things that I let go, like movies. I let go lack of reloading. Like sure, it's sure. just because it's never gonna happen. It's never gonna happen, and it and and when it does happen, I'm pleasantly surprised.
1: Mm-hmm. But where do they carry the ammo?
0: It, right, you know they always because the somebody, some cops are always carrying like fifteen clips for handguns, Somehow. and they always manage to pull them out of somewhere. Um, but but the the comic books in particular, when you're freezing, when you're freezing reality, like make sure to suspend the disbelief. Exactly. Make sure you understand how that frozen frame is going to look before you draw it. You know, other than that, I gotta say, I have never been a fan of Alex Maleev's art. Like, I didn't like him in Daredevil. You Didn't like him in Daredevil. I didn't like. I I'm not a fan of his artwork in uh, Moon Knight right now. I think it's okay. I just don't think. I don't think it's that great. I'm 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 a fan That's of his art in this. Bendis and yeah. are doing Moon Knight They worked really they are.
2: well in this. Um,
0: That's too bad. I he's this art. Daredevil. He is, and I mentioned this before when I mentioned Moon Knight uh, in one of the previous episodes. The art in Scarlet, um, you can tell that he uses a. Off- Buckload load of photo reference yeah right because I was, his i was okay with that his shit is it's practically rotoscoped right it's uh-huh. like it's like his guns are good um, his guns are good um i want to know who the girl that models for scarlet is yeah uh because it, it would be just the, it's pretty stuff. obvious
2: that he used actors and actresses yes. as like photo reference if nothing else
0: um for faces at the least right and you know maybe he drew bodies separately but um his facial expressions are too real. I still am not a fan of of Maleev's coloring style, the kind of
2: it's sort of tabloidy. Like, I don't particularly mind it in this volume. Um I know in Daredevil he did sort of a like monochromatic thing. Yeah, but yeah. that was it wasn't exactly Daredevil, black and white, but, but that was good. that what? was specific for the thing. I don't like it in Daredevil. Mm. Oh.
0: That's where I first learned my hatred for for Maliv's coloring style is that i just in daredevil i didn't like it at all i didn't like the
2: i wasn't a huge fan of it but i thought it was appropriate to the s- aspect of the story that he was going on about in daredevil and that actually sort of connects to scarlet because in daredevil he's sort of like, at least the one that i read of it he's talking it's the story with kingpin and he's talking about like matt murdoch may or may not be exposed by the media blah there's a lot of media stuff And I feel like his style, to me, just seems, like I say, like tabloid photo-y. And therefore, it seems appropriate to both of these things. One, because in Scarlet, she's talking to the camera, and it's like you sort of are the media-slash-supposedly-objective journalist that is watching this this travesty come to pass, or this triumph come to pass, depending on how you look at it. Mm -hmm. Triumph. I think, tri- I think triumph.
0: <laughs> they, yeah, there's. They don't leave a lot of moral ambiguity in this particular thing. Like the cops are dirty, obviously, and well, the, the people that die are pretty much deserving of it. Okay, I, so for the most part, I so she executes. She, she yeah.
1: executes the the one cop and gets the what is seven $700, seven hundred four thousand dollars something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and Chunk does it change. actually say? I don't remember like uh, if he actually tells her that. The his superior is dirty as well?
2: I don't think he does.
1: I don't think so. I don't remember, though. Because she then executes that guy, right? Yeah. She very well could be just batshit and, you know.
2: That's what I kind of like about it. It's like, is she really a you know deep philosophical vigilante or did she get shot in the head and then go batshit and now she's killing everyone? Either way, I'm kind of okay with it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Scarlet yeah. meets the Punisher. Wow. I got.
0: I got to say something that that um, it always. I always enjoy in any kind of media that does it is. It's nice It's interesting seeing it set in a city that I'm familiar with. Yeah, and they clearly take the time photo and reference. energy to use photo reference and make it. It's fucking Portland. Like the the whole beginning scene where they're in this in Pioneer Square in Portland. Mm-hmm. And it's like I've been there. I've seen that place, and that's actually what it looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. It's not fantasized versions of a city it's not like you know it's not like movies like assassins where they have a car chase that starts in one part of seattle and then turns a corner and it's uh three miles away in a different part of yeah right um they he does a good job with you know making it's purposely set in portland and it's definitely portland and it's recognizably portland so
2: then the dream of the 90s is killing cops <laughs> 90s dream of the 90s is alive in portland
0: yes you've never heard that before like there was a sh- there was a tv show that was set in portland recently called uh life unexpected and it was very just cancelled yeah <laughs> very Thank canceled. god I watched two. I watched the first two episodes, and they were interesting, and they were funny, and the, they were kind of well-written, and then the rest of the show just went to hell. It was fucking terrible. That show was one of those shows where it was set in Portland, and it was mostly filmed in Portland, but not really filmed in Portland. So it was like, you get Portland skyscapes, mm. and you get...
2: But you didn't capture the flavor. That's what I... Yeah. Uh, Grey's Anatomy bothers me, because I'm oh, like, yeah, LA with the occasional Seattle flyover.
0: Yeah right, the um the forty four hundred bothered it's me. Sunny in, in this
1: state, this is obviously not right? Seattle. The forty four hundred
0: was the one that bothered me the most Where's because that it, to it be was set. supposed to be set in Seattle. Oh, and really? they filmed it in Vancouver, and it was clearly Vancouver,
1: right? It was like they would and loonies and toonies on the tables at the bars. Uh, and yeah the- right. I mean
0: there was a portion of the show that was supposed to be in Iowa and there was a a part where this woman is, or this guy is walking along a a road, a country road between cornfields. Okay, Iowa, cornfields, great. And then you notice that he walks past a speed sign that's in kilometers per hour. They use metric
2: in Iowa, right? (laughs) I'm just like, come on.
1: So I got one that tops that, the, the Dresden Files TV show. Okay. One of the episodes so the dress and files is set in Chicago. Okay. One of the and I grew up about an hour east of Chicago. One of the episodes take place at my hometown. Awesome. Specifically references a bar that I used to go to all the time. <laughs> I'm like, that's not McCormick's <laughs>
0: That happened with me with a show called McKenna that was only on the air for half a season that was supposedly set in Bend, Oregon, which is the town that I grew uh, that I graduated high school from. And uh McKenna, the first episode of McKenna, there was nothing recognizable to Central Oregon yeah. in the entire thing. I'm like, what the, the fuck? Rainforest. There was there was a scene that took place at a, at a on a river and there was like these Tall, majestic, Dinosaurs. like leafy trees, and fucking this grass. And I'm like, that is not Central Oregon. Is lava rock and fucking juniper trees. And where the fuck is this? And then I found out that it- the entire first episode was filmed in New Zealand.
2: Oh, and I- <laughs> I'm like because that's that- the same. <laughs> and mean, then they're
0: not. Subsequent episodes were actually filmed in Bend, and that was kind of cool. But like, I- we're watching. The- I remember us watching the first episode, going, "Wherever that is, it ain't here." God, I wish here was like that. (laughs) Well, at least
2: South Park has been completely faithful to Conifer, Colorado. All of
0: us have been to Portland, right? Yeah. Yes. I like Portland. I I love Portland. I don't like the people. I like Portland. I've never minded the people. Like the. the, Wordstock was really fun.
2: Yeah. Portland. Portland's a great city. Did you say Wordstock? Yes. God. It exists. It's a thing. It's a small literary press conference. It's in Portland. Where else would it be?
0: Why does that bother you so much?
2: It's just, it's the pun. It's a pun.
0: Does Wootstock bother you? Yeah, oh, but Wootstock is awesome. What's Wootstock? It's a, it's like a concert slash comedy show put on by Paul and Storm, and they pull people like Will Wheaton and a bunch of like uh, Patton Oswalt and like a bunch of people into it. Nerd. and it's nerd comedians, and it's all right, pretty badass. So anyway, back I, to Scarlet. back to Scarlet. I like you seem to have problems with it. You, you're you're you just the pacing is a problematic for you.
1: I think most of my problems, honestly, are because I've seen both of these individuals do better things. OK,
0: really, because I I to, to me, this is kind of the pinnacle of Malieve's artwork to me. I love Daredevil. I love his Daredevil stuff. Really? Right. Yeah. Okay.
2: I thought this kicked the Daredevil stuff up up a little notch, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I'd have to give Daredevil another run to be objective on that.
1: I'm trying to think. Uh, who's the the artist for uh, Invincible? Ryan Otley. Ryan Otley. So if like Ryan Otley and Colin Bunn were doing a book together, would you be excited for it? Yes. And honestly, no matter how good it was, would it live up to your expectations?
0: I don't really know how to answer that question, I, I, but
1: I mean, you, you know, you
0: it, it, see. Okay, so let me let me let me. Y- you're picking. Like one of my favorite writers and one of my favorite artists. So, if you're asking, would it live up to my expectations? Um, I,
1: I'm, I'm mentioning. Okay, so like as a fanboy, I would probably love it no matter what. But no, I'm basically I just wanted to put two people together that I know you like Uh-huh. and that you've read previous material of theirs that you think is incredibly good. Okay. So I'm just saying. So no this matter is where what you're they do. From.
2: Yeah, you had higher expectations than what Scarlet was. Like I said
1: earlier, you know, if you would have told me that Bendis and Malieve were working on a book about a girl who starts an, a new American revolution, I'm like, that sounds fantastic. Then, as I read it as single issues, I'm like, okay, this is good. Now, as I'm, I'm reading it as a trade, I'm like, okay, so I'm noticing some serious pacing issues. I'm noticing things that I would not expect. I'm not as forgiving to these people because I've seen them do better work. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like
0: you expect better of them because they've set the bar higher. Yep. Um, uh, I wonder maybe if if it is the collected trade format that's causing you issues, though. Maybe the as pacing, it were. Right. <laughs> maybe. Wow, I didn't even realize what I'd said you as, in, as individual issues, you said you didn't have a problem with it. You didn't no. see it. And the, and the the gaps made sense to you. They but, did. Um, and in, to some degree, like maybe it was written for those individual issues and collected as a trade is where it becomes a problem. Maybe it's not yeah. in the construction of the narrative from the creators as much as they constructed it for a particular delivery. And when that delivery is fucked with, it screws with the narrative. I will give a, an example of one that goes in the opposite direction, and that's one that I've read and reviewed recently called Greenwake. It's um, it's by the same guy that writes. It's by Modern Curtis Whore. Curtis Weeb. Yeah, it's by the same guy that writes Intrepid's. And as individual issues, I thought it was honestly, I thought it was terrible. The first three issues, I couldn't stand. They were they were existentialist pretentious bullshit. Yeah, I that read that. <laughs> And and I just didn't enjoy it because it was just so it was so obtuse. And then I read the fourth issue, and the fourth issue is one where they kind of start pulling story threads together and like, you know, resolving some shit. And then the fifth issue is the end of the first arc. As individual issues, it didn't work at all. But then when I took those five issues and I read them back to back to back to back, and it became a, a cohesive narrative all in one. It worked great. And I and I actually I, I'm still I it's still not my favorite book in the world. I'm not gonna say that it's awesome, but I will say that it's that it worked and that it was well well done, but is individual issues it didn't work. Maybe it's the opposite for this.
1: Okay, that is a totally valid point and I'll agree with that. <laughs> okay. However, the most important thing that I've taken out of your past uh, two minutes of discussion is that you know what the Intrepids were or are <laughs> because that book is fucking amazing. <laughs> Yes, The Intrepid's
0: the intrepid's is, is fun. I've only read two issues of it, but it's it's, it's fun and it's interesting. It I, is so um, good. I'm actually probably going to go back and read it uh, just because uh, I posted a review of Green Wake, a pretty scathing review of Green Wake 3, I think it was, that um, actually apparently got the attention of Curtis Weeb to the point where he sent me a PDF of issue four ahead of time so that oh, I could snap. read it and review it because he was like trying to like, Convince me, and my my review of number four was better, but not glowing. And then I and I've never heard from him again.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's probably like ah, you're a fuck. You're not going to be satisfied with anything I do. <laughs> he, he tried.
0: Him. Yeah. Um. So I I don't know I the it's valid points that I can make, but I can completely understand what you're saying. Where you know you read it as one chunk, and it's a completely different experience than reading it in monthlies. And maybe that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a bad thing, but. There are some comic books that I can't read in monthlies. Walking Dead. I can't read Walking Dead in monthlies. Invincible. I would, I can't read Invincible in monthlies. I would rather wait a year. Fables and read twelve issues of of Walking Dead in a trade, than try and read it month to month, like. So, I personally, I enjoyed this book. I didn't think it was spectacular, but I. Um, I'm intrigued enough to want to continue reading it. Oh yeah, I'll definitely. Uh, um,
1: I mean, is you know, as brutal as I've been towards this book, I will read the second volume just to either you know satisfy my urge that yeah, it's not the the best thing, or be like okay, you know what, it, the trades are a little bit rough, but the single issues are solid. There are books that I read specifically in trades. There are books that I read specifically single single issues. I'm gonna keep reading this as a single issue. But what do you think about it, Anne? Because I totally dug about... it.
2: Um and I see the you know, the issues that you guys have been talking about, but I would still I would recommend the hell out of it, especially to people who are like kind of noobs in the comic world, haven't necessarily seen these same authors and artists do their tricks magnificently and are like, There are things that are not superheroes and I'll be like, Yes, this is one of them. Good lord, go read it. It's awesome. Not I only
0: don't... is it not superhero, it is entirely not supernatural at all right it it's, is couched in the real world it is. which is is something that you don't normally see even comic Just, books that are like um, even comic books that are supposedly realistic usually draw something a heightened. little extra in the heightened reality this is pretty fucking real
2: yeah like, yeah, and I I was surprised to find a story that was so fucking real that I enjoyed so much, yeah. quite frankly. I agree. And I think that's one of many reasons to to spread the word on Scarlet. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I
1: don't know if this is a first-tier recommendation for someone who's new into comics. Like, if someone said, I want a really realistic book where someone is taking out villains, I would recommend Punisher Max. Hmm
2: okay that's more motivation for me to go read Punisher Max that's that's really interesting and that's
0: fair and and I mean I there are probably noir books that I would that I would recommend over this but and and I agree I would not I probably would not recommend this to someone who's new to comics
2: I think it really depends what type of prose that person likes to to begin with like if they like all noir stories I'm gonna send them to maybe this and maybe last days of American crime if criminal and yeah yeah if uh, <laughs> I'm not oh, gonna send Sin criminal. City because because uh, Frank Miller's a silly silly man. Yeah, um, Frank, uh,
0: yeah. Sin City's fun, but you really
2: it's oh, so
0: Sin City is definitely so so. That's a good way, a good place to put this is like Sin City is. I would never ever ever recommend Sin City to someone who's not familiar with comic books. Indeed. I'd recommend. the I would bastard. No, I. I, I not even just to a newbie. I would. I would never send a new comic book reader to anything that Frank Miller has written, with the exception—not even Ronan—with the exception of there are there are exceptions to the rule. Like three hundred is is an exception because of the fact that it is just so different. It, maybe not now that the movie is out, right? Yeah, but when before the movie came out, it was
1: its own thing. It was totally, but if you didn't want someone like, to get into comics be like okay so the best thing that Frank Miller has ever written is the Dark Knight Returns To enjoy oh, oh.
0: and that, that, that's where I was actually going was I would never send uh, I would never send a new comic book reader to the Dark Knight Returns I would definitely never send them to any of his like Daredevil stuff um
1: he did some good stuff.
0: He did good stuff, but it is stuff that is so how couched, accessible is it? It's not accessible to a non-comic book reader, in my opinion.
1: Okay, so like um, the Elektra stuff and whatnot—that's that's good. There's so he did Daredevil for I want to say like three years. Yeah, and there's actually a couple of arcs in there that you don't need to know the backstory. You mm-hmm. got a superhero; he's fighting supervillains. There's a dude named Matt.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, he did the whole, like, one of the – what was it? The Black Hand, I think, yeah. is the name of the storylines. And I don't know. I, I just – I think Frank Miller – but The end of that run is terrible. His writing is so – he he puts so many – in references in his stuff. And there's so much of it that is based on a knowledge of comic books as a medium that you I just don't to, think that who
2: the fuck is squirrel girl talking uh, right? to himself. Would yeah. be another way to put that uh,
0: on the opposite end of the spectrum, as weird as some of his shit can be. Like I would, I would recommend Grant Morrison's Batman stuff to anybody like straight off the bat. Like I would recommend Batman and son to anybody who ever wanted to get into Batman. I would be like, read Batman and son. Um, because I just finished reading it and I'm like, that is probably one of the most accessible Batman stories that I've read in a long time. Um, but anyway, like this, the reason that I'm bringing all that up and it's long winded bullshit is that I would not recommend this to a new comic book reader. I would recommend this to somebody who is familiar with the medium, at least to some degree. And, um, it's kind of one of those things where you you want to know the rules before you break them. That's fair. You know, so you you. Read... going to
2: get the narration and watch what that yeah. they're doing to fuck with the medium.
0: You you hand somebody, you know, more accessible stuff first, and then be like, "Well, this one breaks the rules and does some crazy shit, and you should try it." You know. Talking about Scarlet, um, we'll we'll bring it back to by borrow, or burn.
2: I would say. I'm halfway between buy and borrow. It depends. If you know you're into this, buy it. Uh, if you like Bendis, buy it. If you're not sure, borrow it.
1: Okay.
0: You're somewhere between burn
1: and borrow, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, the, I have single issues buy, trade, burn. Really? It really makes that wow. much of a difference to me. Um,
0: I'm going to say borrow because just because of the way that you have to approach the the. There's, there's too many caveats that I would have to put onto this trade before handing it
1: to someone to say, go buy it. Oh, whatever.
2: Right? I would just be like, here, read this. Are, are you familiar <laughs> well, enough
1: with the comics novel like rules in order to be comfortable with someone breaking them
0: horribly? Let me, let me put it this way. There are too many caveats that I would have to put on it before telling someone to go buy it.
2: That's fair. It,
0: that's why I'm putting it in the borrow column because owning it, I would definitely hand it to somebody and say, read it, Right. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a s- stupid solid borrow for me. So we got a, 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 buy borrow over here and a borrow burn over here, depending uh, on the where, burn, where you're like,
1: Actually, I'm going to say, I'm just going to go with the straight borrow because I know for a fact that I'm going to lend it to Joel. Yeah. When he gets back. So I,
0: I mean, it, none of us, none of us, I think are negative toward it. I think it's just yeah. that yeah, yeah, it's read it. p- worth reading. Please don't take reading. my
1: comments as saying that this is a bad book. I've just read better from both of these guys. Yeah.
0: And it's not that I've read better, it's that I I think it it does some funky shit that won't appeal to everybody. So borrow it. I like it. Lol.
2: So I'm curious for for each one of us, like, what are your off the cuff top three books that you would give to someone who's like, I haven't read comics, I want to get into them. Go,
0: Invincible. <laughs> <laughs> my wife across the room is like, Invincible. Uh, Invincible is probably my number one for superhero comics. Um, top three that I would, Six Gun. Um, if because it's it's a good like it's a supernatural story but not set in a setting that you're used to and wow a third one I mean I I will I almost always recommend Walking Dead if but that, that's somebody who has to be into zombies sure if you're into zombies I'm going to go Walking Dead fucking read it um, but the Invincible and Sixth Gun are probably two of my two of my biggest ones and probably if you want. If you want to get into one of the major universes and have an accessible storyline that has superheroes in it, I would probably recommend Joss Whedon's Astonishing X Men. Um it's it's very accessible, especially for an X book. It's extremely accessible. Hmm. Maybe I should start um, my
2: re X education there.
1: Yeah. Uh I'm there's gonna be two factors in my answer. Number one, I'm gonna ask the person what type of comic they're looking for. Fair. To, you know, sort of narrow down the genre, genre, then I'm going to, if I know the person, I will recommend either one or two sets of titles. If they're a smart person, I will recommend Alias, Transmetropolitan, hmm. and... Oh, I would never God. recommend Transmet to know a what's new sad? comic reader. I haven't
2: read Transmet. I need Which to so bad. so
1: good. Because it's so different and if you don't know the rules, it doesn't bother you as much hmm. because of all, this, all the, the stuff it breaks.
0: I suppose that's possible. Um, I don't know. I just... I feel I I feel it's very it, I don't know I just think it would be hard to grok regardless of whether you were into it or not. All okay. I'm
2: thinking about right now is Spider Jerusalem post like Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> you saw that too? Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Have you ever seen this? You need to you need to find it like Wait, uh, it
2: like takes the, the okay. cover the, of the, it, it was the was a new post Wonder of, Woman and like puts a bunch of male superheroes. Wonder Fantastic. Oh.
1: Oh, no Third book I'd actually recommend would probably probably be um Umbrella Academy.
2: Yeah, that's fair. I could see that being like decently accessible. Hmm. 'Cause it it requires no continuity. It's sorta of superhero y, but not as like canon as anything else.
0: You know, see that's one of the reasons why I recommend Invincible because it is so it it it's pretty classic superhero book, mm-hmm. but like you said doesn't require a lot of continuity and um it it follows the rules while breaking them if that makes yeah. any sense. It it just I I don't know. Invincible I, I'm a fanboy. I'll freely fucking admit <laughs> that I am an Invincible fanboy, like probably one of the biggest. Not to the point where I'm going to get a tattoo like some of the guys at San Diego Comic Con. Hardcore. But um, to the point where I bought original art from it. And I I love that comic book, But and I would recommend it to anybody just because, especially if they're, and like you said, I qualify that shit, right? If, this, if somebody's like, I want to get into comics, my first question is, Actually, my first question is a simple binary question. Superheroes are not superheroes? That's where I would start, too. And if they say superheroes, I'm handing them Invincible
1: in a heartbeat. Can I give sure. my my not superhero an- yeah. Superheroes answer? Yeah. What are no? your not superheroes ones? Um, probably Criminal. Um, The second one, Lawless. Uh, the first one was good, but the second one is better.
2: Are those like standalone trades, or are they all yes interconnected? Yes
1: no. They're loosely, loosely huh. connected. You do not need any material from any of the other ones in order to appreciate That's what's cool. going on. However, you'll you'll get more out of them if you've read the other books. Right. Um, that would be my first one.
2: Sort of like Sin City, except better.
1: Infinitely better. Ed Brubaker's is such a good writer. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: Sin City is fun, and it's great if you understand it, but it's not... Like Frank
2: Miller. Frank Miller's kind of a hack. Yes, he is. Um, Kind of. Frank Miller's a hack. Hey.
1: So, second Punisher Max. Okay. Because that's Jason Aaron's best thing he's done. (laughs) Scalped is great, but uh, Punisher Max is better. Um, Then Hundred Bullets. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. I I would
0: consider Hundred Bullets for somebody, but but. So I I guess um, Uh,
1: okay so I I would ask them if they'd be willing to read something that's a little bit like so there are 13 issues of Punisher Max there are five trades of Criminal now but each story is isolated a hundred
0: individual issues of 100 Bullets (laughs) which is collected in 13 13 trades
1: yeah yeah I mean there's that is a big story and it you know it's a sizable investment if they said they don't want to read anything big. Gotham uh, Gotham PD? Or Gotham Central. Oh, GCPD? Yeah. Yeah. Gotham Central is so, so good. But it does another Uh, Brubaker book, so... See,
0: and that's that's the thing. Like, there's a weird thing for me where... um, there's also a space between when you separate things into superhero and non-superhero superhero books are pretty much superhero books and there's there are some variations on a theme but wait until you hear where i'm going before you make judgment like there like you can classify if if you look at a comic book you can say it's a superhero book like umbrella academy is a superhero book yeah. it is a variation on the superhero theme but it is a superhero book however if you go into the wide range that is quote unquote non-superhero you have everything in the spectrum from scarlet and criminal and uh, and other noir books that are very realistic to things that involve supernatural characters like hellboy which i would not put in the superhero genre lobster johnson but, um <sighs> lobster johnson like uh, maybe that's a genre crosser but i wouldn't classify it as superhero book
2: there's still um, like within that though there's there's fantasy there's like right like fables yeah. where would you where Novel the fuck memoir? you put fables right fables it's, is, it's, literature animals and fairy tales it's not, it's
0: a fairy tale type thing it's not a it's not a superhero book but it's, it's a also not yeah, right
2: <laughs> right <Hey. laughs> um yes. so it's actually a decent category
0: so i i mean i guess th- that's part Supernatural, where, if, I, where if i'm like yeah if i'm like Split it into superheroes, non-superheroes, and they go non-superheroes. I'm like supernatural <laughs> or supernatural realistic. Supernatural or realistic, and then they're they're like realistic. All right, here's your you're noir book. Happy or your-
1: everything turns to ashes in your <laughs> mouth. Everything turns to ashes well, in your happy. mouth. Happy. So what? I have a long list of things by Ed Baker that I'd like that to recommend. Sucks.
0: Realistic, happy. I'm not sure that exists in the comic book industry. <laughs> um, alias, really.
2: That counts as happy
0: but doesn't alias still have superheroes in it because it's still in the court
2: yeah, it
0: may no, not be you, okay. set with a superhero but it's well,
1: she, she Jessica Jones is a superhero yeah. she's a retired superhero but she's a superhero
2: um not that I have anything like hugely deeper coherent because like you two um the first place I would go would be to say superheroes are not and like what like what do you read that's not comics and let me you know, help guide you in the comics world. If they're like, I am the hugest literature nerd ever. I'm like, okay, great. Go read a graphic novel. Something like, like Alison Bestell's Fun Home. I would totally recommend that to anyone. Go read Tommy Taylor and you can get into the world of wacky fantasy, but still be nerdy about literature. Otherwise, um, the or like Lucifer. Yeah, the escapist, like Michael Chabon. Escapist, Everyone yeah. wanks Michael Chabon in the literary world, apparently. <laughs> I am less wanky about him, but whatever. Well, I, there, you thought I still thought the escapist was decent. But it was, you know, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. I, um, I Or I'd send them to Shantan and just be like, look at the pretty pictures and love it forever. Go. Um, it, I would send a lot of people towards Bone, honestly. I know it's yeah. it, theoretically young adult
1: razzles better not really
2: i think razzles better too but but i would send them towards towards bone and be like this takes off on a on the traditions of like talking animals and pogo and like just kicks it up a notch and takes it into like modern fantasy land yeah um i don't know again it it kind of depends on what they read and what they're expecting i feel like a lot of the stuff we've done on the show like lock and key and sixth gun are really solid places to start
0: yeah I think it also depends on um what their expectations are, right? Yeah. If they're if they're walking into it, uh like if they're walking into it thinking of comic books as Superman, Spider Man, Batman, X Men, mm-hmm. then X Men isn't even X Men anymore. Uh, true, but but you um I, I guess you know Unfortunately I don't know what
2: superhero titles to recommend them. I'll be like, Yeah, go read Promethea, go read Watchmen. I don't know about real superheroes.
1: Invincible. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That's the answer to everything. The, the funny Love thing it. is, like, you can't go to Marvel or DC for standard superhero you books can't. anymore. Because That's they're ironic. they're they're entirely inaccessible.
0: Yeah. Um, but l- I, with the exception, in my opinion, like I said, uh, the the beginning of Grant Morrison's Batman stuff like Batman and Son, I think is is a um the only 100%. thing How long ago was that? Oh God, four years, five years? I think what is it might have been. It might have been early 2000s. Yeah. Um, but the reason why I say that, so so Batman, there are certain characters, Batman and Superman and Spider-Man, I think... Um, Even non-comic book fans at least have a basis because most of them have seen the movies. Um, So with Batman specifically, I think you can step them into something like Batman and Son and they at least understand the basics of the Batman mythology. His parents were killed. He turned into a a gadget-wielding millionaire that, that beats on bad guys. And then his superpower, right? And they, yeah. <laughs> and then you step him into something like Batman and Son, and they understand where it came from. Um, Spider Man, I think, is the same way. Spider Man is easily accessible, uh, depending on
1: the storyline you go you into. You have to go to like You'd, either the beginning of one more day or a few years ago, right?
0: Like or Ultimate Spider Man. Um, I think where Peter Parker isn't
2: Spider Man. Well. At the uh, beginning of Ultimate Spider-Man? I'm, no.
0: th- I'm thinking like the beginning. If you, okay. if you hand him a trade of the beginning of Ultimate Spider-Man, yeah, then there, there you go. Yeah. Um, so
2: Honestly, the Ultimate series is, is where I picked up most of my superhero mythology that wasn't from movies because I was like, I don't... The this blob is... did not eat wasp. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> no matter how great of a scene it was, it didn't happen that way. Was
0: there any comic industry news this week at all? Did anything happen?
2: Nothing happened. Cause
0: like the wizard isn't Wizard World going on? Didn't that just happen this last weekend? Wizard World got wait the L A one got canceled. Oh I know and the L A LA one. A bunch of people got stuck so, with hotel. No. Boats. Yeah I heard about that. Oh wow no w- Wizard World Chicago didn't that happen this last yeah, weekend? Yeah that was actually this weekend. Um did but, anything come out of there?
1: Yeah nothing, uh, okay nothing I like give a shit <laughs> about Dresden like, I don't know he's
2: a wizard he's in Chicago that's, oh that's what happened.
1: I was like Dresden but a book just came out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Marvel allegedly... Oh, no, wait. Marvel allegedly was offering an incentive cover if retailers... Would oh, send this is them not allegedly.
0: This is their... This is this is true. I've heard of this.
1: Huh? How could I have forgotten about this shit? Uh, Marvel allegedly... I'm going to go with allegedly. Uh, offered retailers an incentive cover if they sent them 50...
0: Yeah, I think it was it was if they tore the covers off of fifty I think it's Flashpoint books. Flashpoint books. Uh flashpoint number one books.
1: They would send them an incentive cover. Here's the thing. I've seen the artwork for the cover. It's shit. Yeah, it's not good. So not here's
2: tearing stuff up for-
0: Here's the thing. It it is it is absolutely true because I've seen I follow several like I like Joey Esposito's a guy that I follow on Twitter and he actually threw this question out to retailers and retailers were saying, Yes, this is true and it happened. Um and it's not the first time Marvel's done it. There, have, uh-huh. there has been previous times where they have been like, "We will give you this, you know, this limited edition incentive if you, you know, tear us the covers off of 50 DC books and send them to us." And but doesn't DC get
1: sales for that? Uh, I don't think so uh, because it's not like Marvel can return them. And normally, the way that you would return a book is you would take the first the cover page right. and send it in. Hmm. So DC would get the See, sales. That, that's
0: the part that I don't understand. Is because is. Um, what happens to those books? Because I know there are certain retail establishments that, for example, Borders. If Borders gets a bunch of comic books, individual comic books, which they sell, and I know Borders doesn't exist anymore, but this is something that they, they did. Exist,
1: but they're a sinking ship.
0: If <laughs> Borders got comic books that they didn't sell, they would strip them and send the covers. The covers go back to DC, and the innards go in the trash, basically. And uh, they get some kind of incentive from that. I'm not sure if it's credit toward their next purchase or whatever. But so I think um, it's possible that it it doesn't count as sales. Right? It's not a sell through that they might still be able to get something back from DC, but maybe just not the full value of the comic book. I'm not sure because I'm not a retailer and I don't talk to them directly. But I know that it's uh, I, it's it's kind of filthy. To be honest, it's uh, it's. I understand competitive tactics and stuff, but like
1: Really what's the most insulting thing to me though is that it was just a terrible cover. Like, yeah. It, but I, it really is. It's I, just I got the uh the one in seventy five fear itself variant that has cap over the broken shield. Yeah. Like if they would have done that offer with that cover, I would have gone to my store and been like, Look, I want you to do this. I will buy the books and give you the covers in order for you to send it in. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I I kind of agree. I just I think it was. I mean I heard about this a couple of weeks ago, and I and I thought it was just I don't know. It's 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 a little distasteful, but unfortunately I don't think there's anything else. Everything's kind of languishing in light of you know the the there was the big Miles Morales announcement, and now everything's just kind of floating toward the DCU reboot. Yeah, we're waiting Morales, to see what that looks like. The new like. Spider Man. Oh yeah, yeah um so two weeks ago (laughs) right and everything's floating to the dc reboot and and it's probably
1: two weeks by the time this podcast actually airs
0: i mean they published a picture of uh of jason patrick as christian walker from powers and he doesn't look like christian walker at all and i'm a little worried i'm a little worried about i really want to see lucy punch as dina pilgrim because that's the one like yeah like
2: if she can pull it then party
0: a dude in a white shot white shirt and a Patrick black
2: tie. tie. like, As, what's Oh God, it would
0: have been so amazing. That's why I really hope that they they uh take uh what's his nut that we we'd mentioned for for uh last days of American crime. I
2: think if you chucked about um, thirty five years on Daniel Radcliffe he could do Christian Walker. <laughs> <laughs> He's got square head. Fuckers ripped that's all I'm looking for. I
0: don't know. Well I'll have to see the show because I've heard yeah. I've heard that the that the production crew for Powers is the, the production like uh directive for powers is seven meets the shield hmm. and i'm okay hmm. with that like that seems that like seems a reasonable uh seems like a reasonable combination of things to put on tv so and it's being done by fx so that'll be um it'll be it'll be nice to see so um i don't think we have anything else to cover right now so let's wrap this up um we dumped the forums because none of us are community managers and nobody was posting anything. So if you want to comment on something, there are multiple places where you can do it. I'll start by saying that you can sign up and and post comments on our uh, blog posts for each episode. That's an easy way to do it. But uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. Uh, the show feed is at Trade Secrets Pod. Uh, you can follow me at Geek Elite. You can follow Anne at, at AnneBeanTweets. You can follow uh, Andy at MathTask. And Joel, were he here, you can still follow him at Superfly. You can post to our Facebook page. It's uh, facebook.com slash TradeSecretsPodcast. If you want to be part of the show, you can email us at secrets at geekerific.com, which is also where you can email us for our contest. We did not get entries for our contest this time. And the contest is getting fucking absurd now. Um, listen to the last six episodes and you'll know what comic books you're going to get in our in our contest and now it's going to include in addition to a copy of the tooth it's going to include a a copy of the first trade of American Vampire Uh, instead of giving out one giant block of comic books to the next person that wins the contest I'm going to trade it up so that if we get more than 10 entrants for this comic for this contest we're going to put all the names in a hat and we're going to draw a name and that person is going to get the first comic book on the list that name's going back in the hat. We'll mix them up. We'll draw another name, and that person is getting the second comic on the list. And right now, that's up to seven. Seven, I think, comic books. Something like and that. And so we're going to draw seven times, and we are—it's potential. The potential exists for someone to win multiples of the comic books that exist. So email us at tradesecrets <laughs> at Email us your name and your address, and say you want to enter the contest. Uh, that will put your name in the hat. We will, whenever we get, if we get 10 entrants, we will start the drawings and we will give out a shitload of comics. Now, hopefully, this will motivate people to enter because now you have more than a one in 10 chance to win something Um, you have an opportunity to win at least one of the trades that we're giving away and uh, hopefully we'll get 10 entrants by the next show Uh, let's see what's the date today the date is the 16th today we record the next show on August 30th so that's the deadline for entries Uh, 5 p.m. on August 30th is the deadline for entries get us get us your name and address and we will likely be sending you some fucking comics That is it for episode 12 of Trade Seekers Podcast, all about Scarlet. Thank you, Anne.
2: No problem.
0: Thank you, Andy. Go read Intrepids. I am Luke, and I'm going to go read Intrepids.